0: Cuts to the middle, good stick by Labushkin, no penalty on the play, and a break here for Labushkin. Ilya Labushkin looking for his first to the Sabres, oh! scores! Are you kidding me? Bushin overtime! With his first goal in 44 games!
2: One year ago... You might not have the same chills as you did yesterday when we played back the brawl, but you still might get some chills. That was one year ago, the Ilya-Lubushkin goal, which will be an amazing trivia question for your Sabre friend fans in 10 years. Uh, And Sal Capaccio, we have Brian Cozio, by the way,
3: also on the Western Hotline. We'll talk Sabres and golf with him. Sal, you were there, right, for that game? Yep, that was during February break last year. Uh, We're on February break now. We actually took a trip down to... Uh, Florida spent a couple of days in Orlando and went to the Sabers Lightning game in Tampa. I was there. I have a great story about that, but I uh, want to welcome in Brian first, and um, you know, it, it's to get his thoughts as well because it was a <laughs> it was a really cool memory. And, and when I saw that this morning, I'm like, you know, that was a really good night. So yeah, Where anyway, we Brian, welcome in Brian as well.
2: We were all feel- like We talk a yep. lot about recently, like how all the feeling has gone away again. For the Sabers, but one year ago we were all we were all like fist pumping in our living rooms probably for that. Yeah, game.
4: yeah, that game last year was incredible, and then it was followed up two nights later in Florida That's with right. Craig Anderson's fifty. I don't know. if... It, yes. I know they changed the total fifty or fifty-one yeah. save performance, which actually then put them in a playoff spot. I know. Joe, I think you know we were talking about this a few weeks ago of like, hey, when were the Sabres last in a playoff spot? And for that one moment that night, uh, they were in, based upon the tiebreakers, they were in a spot. Um, yeah, these two games last year, the Tampa and the Florida game, to me was like the launching pad of, okay, they're really in this race. And then, of course, we know pretty much soon after that they went through a dry spell to start March, but then they got back and they got red hot at the end of the season, which we know Landed ultimately, uh, one point short. So that was uh, that was that was I, for me those two games, the back to back games that that Labushkin, that I, wild game in Tampa the, was that an that was overtime overtime yeah right?
3: yeah yeah and then the Sabres and blew then the a next, two goal lead in the third period by the way and I thought okay that's it it's over and yeah. then Tampa got a power play yeah it's in a, overtime
2: it's a I'm watching the clip again now it's a four on three and. Mm-hmm. It's it's that. Remember, there was a little bit of this after where, like, did Labushkin trip Stamkos or not? But whatever, they didn't. That's right. Yeah, and he's like, he gets the puck at his own blue line, and the Sabers benches up because the whole way it's like, okay, you kind of have like three or four. You have like three seconds to digest. Oh my God! Here comes Ilya Labushkin on a breakaway, <laughs>
3: <laughs> shorthanded in overtime early. Right? I mean, overtime. no doubt. Uh, you're right, Brian. It was uh, they. Then they beat Washington. Then they lose 10 of 12 right, right after that, which is yeah. how they fell back out of it. So real quick story on the game. So we go down for a winter break. We're there. And we were we, we met some friends there, go to the game. And it was just a, a great game. By the way, that arena, have you ever been there? Oh, my God. MLA Arena, like the scoreboard is the largest scoreboard I've ever, ever seen in an NHL arena. It's incredible. And it was really, it was a cool atmosphere it was back and forth, high scoring, sabers below the lead. I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm with Max. He's sitting next to me with my wife. We have we brought a huge Sabres, you know, banner, like a flag. And every time the Saber would score, we jump up and we do it. We're just we were great fans that night. We're just being fans, rooting for our Buffalo team, a lot of Buffalo fans in the building. When he scores, I mean we're just going crazy, guys, right? We're in like the second level, it's two hundred, and it's going crazy. And I'm it's one of those joys. You know, you go to sporting events, we all we cover events, we're at events, we're in the press box, whatever, like I'm in the stands with my son at an away game. We are just going crazy. It was an amazing experience. So we're walking out, and sure enough, you have people who just want to tell you, trash Buffalo, and every, all the different things. You, Go back to Buffalo, Buffalo this, Buffalo that, snow cold, everything. And there's this one dude, you always got to have that one dude, there's this one dude who sees me and my son, who at the time is nine years old, walking out with our flag, cheering on the Sabres, and he's got to give us the one finger salute. And he's got to tell us to go back to Buffalo and go back where Mm. he came from. And I turn around. I'm like, bro, I got my kid with me. What are you doing? I don't care. Blah, 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 blah. Go back. I said, all right. And I pulled out my phone. I go, you're about to be internet famous. (laughs) And I took his picture because I was heated in the moment and I'm not going to get in a fight or anything like that. And I never posted it and I'm never going to post it because I thought, you know what? I'm not going to be the guy that ruins this person's, you know, (laughs) job or something like that. But it, you know, it was one of those moments of, ah, you know, maybe I should do it. I didn't, I still have the picture on my phone. So the guy, it's still in there, but I've never posted it. But we went back to the hotel, had a great time. I mean,
2: when, when has anyone ever had a reason to, uh, you know, flip the bird to uh, a Sabre fan in the last 10 (laughs) years, though? Like, hey, that's, that's returning to, you know, normalcy. (laughs) I guess a little bit on some level. So. I don't know. How have you taken in the last two days, Brian, with all the... There's a lot of nostalgia in the air.
4: Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, listening to uh, to Bulldog and Nate yesterday, I thought that was really a big piece of what everybody's clamoring for is this, you know, they were asking, you know, what do you miss most about the Sabres being in it yesterday? And, so, and some really good stories. And, you know, a lot of it even had to do with Things of like what Sal had said, like oh, going to the game with your kids, or or meeting up with, you know, meeting up with your buddies at a at a sports bar, or the party in the plaza scene, or, um, you know, a lot of it involved, kind of the common theme that we hear all the time about what's been so great about the Bills lately is shared experiences, good memories, even through the frustrations of rooting for your team, maybe in the down moments, but you're you're doing it all together, and there hasn't been a lot of these moments with the Sabers where. You are there, you know, with family, friends, whoever, at a certain location. Even if you're in the arena, and it's all it's been that hype, and we've had just so long before. I mean, the joke of the meaningful game in March, March line that Jason Bottrell had. Like we've we last year, there was a little piece of that, and you know, had there just been maybe a, another win or two and some home playoff games, I wonder how we view this season. If we if we view it differently, if they had gotten in last year, mm-hmm. like is yeah. is the disappointment level maybe uh, steered differently? Because I think right now, a lot of this is steered at the fact of like, well, is Kevin Adams the right GM and is Don Granado the right coach? Which is kind of unfortunately the conversation now we've been having for the last decade with about you know with whoever seems to be in there in the current status in their jobs. Uh, whereas I feel like we wouldn't be having that conversation. Um, had the sabers gotten in similar to how the bills broke the drought they had that playoff clunker against jacksonville had they gone in and even just had a terrible first round and maybe you know gotten swept by the bruins or maybe even if they you know won a game what but i think mm-hmm. had, had they made it we would have been like okay these guys broke through they've proven they can do it maybe this year with injuries and other things they might have gotten a little less of uh of a heat and now we're yep. right back to should we change the coach and GM again? And I just, you know, I, I'm i just, obviously, we, we all are tired of having this endless cycle of same conversation of figuring out whether the the guys that are in charge, yeah. are they in the right spot and, you know, are they the right guys to ultimately do breakthrough?
2: There would have been less pressure on them, I think, no doubt. I think one difference, I think the the, the effect would have been the same. As when the bills made it like monkey off your back droughts over you know a little bit less pressure, this, these are the guys though like we we talked about it a little bit this morning I put a poll up like you you are right I think it's more about the coach and the GM, but last year there was a belief even when it looked like they might miss I think that this core of players like they will get there they will break the drought they'll this will be the team that it will someday happen that these guys will return them to contention and a year later like again the coach and gm will come first for this but until this core of players proves it i think there will still even be questions about can you be a great team can you you know what what's your team look like when these players that you've invested in are your your core and they're not going anywhere that's the other thing, Brian like this is the core group of players like they're not going anywhere
4: yeah that's the thing is that Kevin Adams has made a commitment to them and you know got a lot of praise in the off season locking up Dylan Cousins, locking up Owen Power, locking up Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, we know Thompson is locked up here long term uh, for the foreseeable future other than Casey Middlestadt um. If they want this group to stay together, it pretty much can happen. And if they want Casey Middlestad to stay with this group, it can happen. They have the cap room for it. Um, they don't have to give him a, of an eight-year huge deal if they don't want to. They, I'm sure that something in between might work to get that done to keep him here. So if they want to keep this together, um, it can happen, which you know, in a lot of times a lot of other cities or a lot of other teams, they have to at some point make those hard decisions because of cap reasons. Well, the Sabres have figured out a way, at least for the for the short-term future, to keep this group together if they want it. Um, and that goes back to things that, you know, I, I feel like, why are we getting the inconsistency? At some point, Don Granado, I feel like, can only be held so much for this. Like, does he have to, quote, get them ready to play every single night? He definitely is near the top of the list, if not on the top of the list, for... Uh, why this team has struggled so much in games to start. I mean, you know, we know they've been one of the worst first-period teams, if the, not worst team, in the first period in games this year, and he definitely deserves accountability for that. But at some point over the course of, you know, now we're heading towards 60 games here, like it's got to be on that group in there too. They've got to figure that out. Um, I wonder too, you know, again, not trying to figure out what are the reasons why this year. Um this the group that seemed to be that carried this team last year, Thompson and Tuck um and Skinner and Cousins and the emergence of Paterka and Quinn like are they ready to to kind of take over this team? Well, Kevin Adams maybe didn't think so. Bringing back Oposo, bringing back Gergensons. We you know, obviously brought in another veteran in Eric Johnson. Mm-hmm. Maybe he thought they weren't quite ready to quote lead the way. I got to imagine if Dylan Cousins is in charge of this team, or Alex Tuck, or is in charge of this team. I mean, I guess I'll throw Rasmus Dahlin in this mix too. Like, I, I guess the the accountability factor for how poor they've started games, or or for how they've been so inconsistent. I, I think those are guys that you kind of would want leading, but you know, maybe I'm off base. Maybe you have to bring mm-hmm. in a guy that's a captain from somewhere else that can really get this team ready cuz Don Granado hasn't been able to figure it out on a consistent basis. When they play, you know, I'll quote Paul here, when they play the game that Granado wants them to play, they are quite good. Uh, but for not for them to not only be able to do it one out of every 3 nights, like that clearly isn't good enough.
3: Uh, we we talked about one other name. Would you entertain the idea of trading UPL right now? He's going to be an RFA. You have Devin Levi in the system and he might not play any better than this. We don't know.
4: <sighs> That's a tough decision. I mean, probably if you're ending the season today, who's the team MVP for this year? It's Lukanen. Hmm. I mean, you're just going to turn around point. and trade him? I mean, I. we've been begging since Ryan Miller for, what, stellar goaltender play? Is there, okay, you know, I guess, what's, what's the question here? Is he more likely to go back to the Lukanen of last year, or is he more likely to stay on this path? Hmm. Goalies are... You know, this this question with goaltenders is almost impossible, right, to figure it out. Yep. If we've got, you know, one year where he legitimately spent his full time in the NHL and he was very inconsistent, we saw very good and we saw very bad. Uh, this year he's been, I'll use the word outstanding. I think he really has. I th- considering um, the injuries they've had defensively, you know, Matias Samuelson's missed half the season. They've been out without Owen Power. Darlene's even missed a handful of games here and there. Uh, I think considering how they've had that inconsistency out in front of him, I think he's been outstanding. We've been asking for goalies for years to make the big save. Uh, I think there's a piece of me that's hesitant to, like, go all in on Lukanen, and it has nothing to do with him. And shame mm-hmm. on me maybe for even thinking this, is that Levi was, is supposed to be the shiny prospect with all the high ceiling and, and the potential, and to think, like, well, if you commit longer to Lukanen then that, are you... Are you shutting the door on that, at least for the immediate future? And I, I guess it doesn't, does it have to be both? I don't think so. I think you can keep Luken in and still hope that Devin Levi, who mm-hmm. I think autom- I think almost automatically becomes the other goalie here next year. I don't think Eric Comrie will be back as a part of the equation. So is there anything wrong with maybe having Lukanen and Levi as your two goalies? And if Levi springs to the potential that he maybe could that you know maybe he reaches a higher ceiling than Lukanen, well then all the better maybe you have a, a chip there that that could be worth something to mm-hmm. help you somewhere else so i, I guess i guess to, the long winded answer here to your question is um based upon his commitment his maturity some of the things he said he did to improve his game i, I feel like i'm willing to bank on Lukanen at least being closer to what we've seen this year than what we saw last year
2: yeah and Brit- i mean if i were setting betting odds on like what happens with him, I would think Bridge deal is like a monster favorite, right? Like over trading yeah. him, and I also don't think they're gonna go. I mean, they've done it with other players, but they're not gonna go give him like a seven-year contract. I, I don't think. Yeah. So I think Bridge Sal, deal. I think
4: yeah, and I I think Sal like we. I'm almost thinking the same about Middlestat. Like Middlestat could still get right. better, and he's put up outstanding offensive numbers this year, and his two-way efforts seem to be better—not perfect, but better. He seemed, you know, early in his career. We said, "Man, this guy can't win any puck battles." He's been doing a lot better job of that. But by mo- removing, if you traded Middlestat, that doesn't necessarily. He, it's not like he's taking a spot. Like it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's a spot on the team, but it's not like, well, who's gonna who's gonna play that spot now? With goalie, it's different. Like, well, who's going to be the goalie now? You're really going all in on Devin Levi and praying that it works. Um, whereas I think with um, with moving Lucan, I'd I'd be a little bit more hesitant. If you asked me which of the two, I know you didn't, but <laughs> you said who mm-hmm. would be the the of the two that I would be willing to trade, it would be Middlestep before I would move Lucan in. And I'm not saying that Middlestep's not valuable. I just think because of the goaltender right. position mm-hmm. being what it is, and because the Sabers have been searching for anything in there since Ryan Miller, I think that's where I would go.
3: Brian calls you on the West Hur hotline. What is going on with Charlie Woods, Tiger's son? All over the, there's just lots of stories out there, fans, interaction, his play. Kind of sum it up. Like, what's been going on? Why is he so much in the news?
4: Yeah. So, anyway, so Charlie, who is playing, you know, junior golf, I guess we'd call it at this point, um, is 15, year. just turned 15, and decided this week, we know we've seen him in the father-son tournament with Tiger, we know we've seen him here and there at some other events, but he decided this week to try and qualify for the PGA Tour event this week, which is in Palm Beach. Um, it's the old Honda Classic that has been there forever. It is a new sponsor name this year, but anyway, it doesn't matter for that. But he's trying to get in that event. And this week's field um, is not its not an elevated event on the PGA Tour, so there is an opportunity to maybe see, you know, maybe you'd call it a weaker field, a chance that maybe he could get in. So anyway, he went and tried, they call it a PGA Tour pre-call pre-qualifier round. If he performs well enough, that gets him into um, kind of what would be a Monday playoff with this group to see who would get in the last couple of spots. Um, I thought the odds were definitely very low for him to do this, Um, but he's shown that now since he's grown a little, he can handle maybe the length of what would be playing a full-size PGA Tour, of course, of 7,200 yards, 7,300 yards. I mean, that's that's quite a bit different, Um, but he's been showing that he's been playing these tees. Anyway, he went and played in this PGA Tour pre-qualifier yesterday um, and had a bad hole. He had a 12 on a par 4 and ended up shooting 86, which is plus 16. Now you take that 12 away and give him a par that's 8 better. That gives him a 78, which we've seen players on the PGA Tour in PGA Tour events shoot a 78 and that just you know they equate that to be a bad day for a 15 year old playing in what would probably be his most pressure packed moment I would say that would have been a, a very 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 impressive score Charlie Woods is very good but um, I don't know if maybe it was a little premature to all of a sudden give this a shot and I'm very curious to know how much influence Tiger had in, in his father on, in on the decision Earl Woods almost went the opposite route He Mm -hmm. had said growing up with Tiger that he said, look, we are not moving on from step A to step B until you are dominating step A. Then we'll go to step B. Then when you dominate B, then we'll go to C, essentially in terms of where he would move up uh, in his golf career and his path to to being a professional. Charlie obviously really shot high for this. Uh, The odds were low. I mean, kudos for him for doing this. And I know yesterday there was quite a bit of social media talk because unfortunately there were spectators there that did not handle the situation well either and that was kind of a side story to this as well which made probably charlie's already extremely stressful day even worse
2: yeah he's i mean with that added to it i mean there's social media stuff too i mean there are other athletes sons i'm sure like Bronny james is probably dealing with this now like just gotta be impossible expectations like that he'll 99.9 percent never live up to because what are the expectations? Your last name is Woods. You better be Tiger, right? Right. I mean, and this kid's...
4: You're right. I mean, think about the pr- think about the pressure on him to perform well. And anything less than him making the PGA Tour, people are going to call a failure, which is very sad when you think about how many people make the PGA Tour in the world. I mean, we're talking just, a, you know, a couple of hundred are eligible to play on the PGA Tour for the entire globe. Like this, you know, it's, it's very unfair expectations. Now, Charlie, obviously... Has some advantages that the average kid would not have for sure. Um, however, he's super talented. He's super young. And I just want to hit the pause button on everybody saying, like, this guy's, you know, he's never going to make it. Or look at, he couldn't handle spectators yesterday walking by his group. And, like, no, I just, I-, I thought it was a little too early for maybe for him to do this. I'm not, I'm not, uh, say, you know, I would have maybe advised against it, but, you know, kudos for him. It was a, a brave moment for him. Uh, He had a bad hole and obviously didn't shoot the score that he wanted to. um, But shame on the adults for kind of who ruined the experience. Just seeing some of the social media posts, how they said that they were actually grabbing his golf ball on some holes. He had to, like, deal with officials saying, like, well, what do I do? I guess people were even asking, you know, trying to take pictures and ask for autographs in the middle of the round. And, you know, these normal qualifiers literally... You know, there might be somebody's mom or dad or brother, like, watching. That's it. Like, there's, you know, you wouldn't even know this was happening uh, at a local course, except for the fact that it was Tiger's kid. So, all of a sudden now, there's cameras and there's spectators. And they said, you know, it was 50 to 100 people they were kind of estimating at times were on the holes. But they because no, normally nobody is here for these events, there wasn't ropes or anything. There wasn't... You know, there wasn't like course security, and mm. some of the adults did not handle it well, and you know, shame on them for maybe making what would have been a very uh, stressful day for him coming in, making it worse. So, uh, you know, that part of it, I feel like I'm I'm really annoyed at.
2: The last uh, thing I wanted to get to you with uh, with golf. Did you? What did you think of the Masters inviting live golfer Joaquin Neiman to the tournament? Did they open up a can of worms here? Which is kind of like a you know just you do it he's been good on that tour and he's been good on the PGA in the past so there's not much here like i guess how was it even surprising i guess that they did that
4: surprising no because the masters can really just do whatever the heck they want and get okay. away with it cuz they're the masters you know like right. they have no they have no ties to any other governing body the usga who makes the rules or the um or the pga tour or live or anybody like they just it's this is their event They can do it however they want. So in that sense, no, I wasn't surprised. Uh, But I think to what you're going to here is, yes, this now also can open up in the future. Like, well, this guy's not officially got the world qualifying for it. Now, he won the Australian Open, which in the past they have invited the winner to. So I guess that maybe, if you want to go on past precedence, when he won the Australian Open golf tournament, that's maybe what picked up... uh, you know, kind of, I guess would say, locked in the Masters to say, look, we're going to open up this invite because we have to the past. Now, he happens to be a live player with not enough world golf ranking points, but because he won this event, we've given it to winners that have won this event before. Um, so that's kind of where they followed suit. I Weird when Neiman won a couple of weeks ago on the live tour, the first thing that he answered was, I you know, you know that the reporter said, "You know how great is it that you won?" And his response immediately is, "Well, I'm not in the majors." Like mm, you can yeah. tell, these players are still wanting to get back into those events. Um, John Rahm was really, really uh, kind of uh, <laughs> his interviews saying how, he, "Oh, I miss Torrey Pines. I miss Pebble Beach. I, he, you know, he's, <laughs> he wasn't able to defend his championship at the Waste Management Open. Like all these things um, that you mm-hmm. wonder, like, well, you took." You made the choice, right? You took a big chunk of money knowing you couldn't play in these events, so, like, I don't feel sorry for him. I wish John Rahm would have made the other decision because I like watching him, and I would have rather have seen him play every week, but some of these guys got to understand, hey, this is kind of the the road they went down. Ultimately, in the end, for these major names, they want to make sure they're in the majors. Well, Rahm's going to be there forever because he won, so he has the exemption. You know, Neiman doesn't have the exemption. So this is his chance. He has a good chance if he finishes well at the Masters that this could qualify him for some other majors to get in. So now it's back in his court, which I guess is really all he could ask for. Tee green Saturday? Yeah, it's our first show tomorrow morning, 7 to 8 a.m. Right. And yes. uh, we'll be at Golf Dojo this week, so we're looking forward to being there. And, uh, yeah, it will be going the first of 28 straight Saturday mornings all the way through Labor Day in September. So, uh, we are looking forward to that. We're super happy to be back and thanks to both of you and everybody at the station for, uh, promoting tea to green. And, uh, you know, you know that myself and, and Jeff meet Kevin Sylvester, Jeff blank, our team, like we love, 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 love doing it. And we only get an hour on Saturday mornings, but it's, it's our favorite hour of the week. So we're super excited. Hope everybody can tune in tomorrow, seven to eight. We'll get everybody's else's opinion on Charlie Woods and all that. And, uh, Look ahead to uh, what's going to be a great month of March on the PGA Tour. Uh, Players' Championships only two weeks away, and that really, I feel like, gets people going and wanting people to play here in Western New York, too. Look, we're going to have a couple days of 60 degrees next week. Who knows? Maybe it'll be yeah. another day where people can get out and play.
3: Well, I'm, I'm optimistic. It's not, it's, by the way, it's not just March. How about the, the schedule this year? you got the Masters, obviously, at Augusta. PGA Championships at Valhalla. U.S. Opens at Pinehurst. British Open at Royal Troon. Got some great venues this year, Brian. Yeah, really, really is. And, you know, coming off of last year's PGA Championship at Oak
4: Hill, wherever, where a lot of people that are listening went to the event, um, you know, I'm sure they'll be more excited to you
2: mm-hmm. know,
4: share those memories here as they start to watch some of these big tournaments of, oh, I remember standing right next to this guy, you know, those sort of things. You'll, all, you'll, uh, you'll have those memories for a long time, which is great. And hopefully maybe we'll get some news soon, too, that maybe Oak Hill is going to get another
2: PGA or a U.S. Open mm-hmm. at some
4: point soon here during this calendar year.
2: TD Green tomorrow, 7 to 8 a.m., and, uh Sabres-Blue Jackets tonight. Thanks, Brian. Yep. Talk to you guys uh, pregame tonight
4: uh, for the Blue Jackets game. Appreciate it. All right. Pregame
2: tonight at 6 o'clock. Sabres at Columbus. And then Tita Green tomorrow at 7. Yeah, he's... Man, the weather's pretty mild. You know, golf's not far away. There Two weeks ago, I was driving past a golf course, and there were people out on the course in February. Or uh, maybe it
3: was in January at that point. So... Maybe you've already gotten out. Well, I was just checking my good old weather app last night, Mm -hmm. and there was a 60 that snuck in the next 14 days. Nice. Nice. Love it. Time out here.
2: When we get back, maybe reset our uh, Sabres conversation a little bit. We've got phone lines open at 803-0550. Zach and Josh will have the Extra Point Show today at 10 o'clock. There's also a... There's this. There's a couple of business sportsy news stories in the last 24 hours that I want to mention before we get out of here. There's one in the NHL with the Dallas Stars, and there's another one with college football and the uh, and the video game. So we'll get to that as well. Jody Biasi, Sal Capaccio here in WGR.
1: You are a fighter. Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly.
0: Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend.
2: Friday. Here comes the weekend. We got a Sabres game tonight, we got a Sabres game on Sunday. NBA and everything else happening right now. Jody Diassi, Sal Capaccio, Jeremy White off today. We'll be back on Tuesday. It's a bunch of business stuff happening in the sports world. I think is interesting on a couple of different stories. One of which I already had been arguing with a couple of friends back and forth about. And I hadn't even seen... Sal just brought it to my attention. Former Bill Harrison Phillips and Bill's long snapper Reed Ferguson's brother, Blake Ferguson, were... Getting into it, or I don't even want to say getting into it, Just they were tweeting about the story that the college football uh, video game for EA Sports, which is scheduled to come out softly in, uh, in July, players can opt in for their name, image, and likeness to be a part of the game for $600 and to receive a free copy of the game. And so, Sal, what what basically was said between Ferguson and, so, and
3: Phillips? So, you guys, what what sparked me on this was you and Jeremy were talking about this yesterday. Maybe yeah. the the NCAA, the players getting paid, right? Yep. Six hundred dollars, correct? Yep. Right. That's what it is. Um, and Blake Ferguson saying, "Dude, six hundred dollars is ridiculously low," and he said it's shameful. He said, "Here is why: as NFL players, they get thirty to thirty five grand per year to be in the Madden video game." Mm-hmm. and you assume there's 3,000 players in the game. That's well over $90 million they're paying out. He said, you go and go to the NCAA game, which is going to sell the same amount, if not more, because I haven't even had it in 10 years, and you can divide that 90 million by 16,000 players across Division One. It should still be well over 5 k per player, so that's what you should be getting. Okay, so then Harrison Phillips responds, which I didn't realize, to Blake Ferguson. Now, Harrison Phillips is a player rep, I believe, for the NFLPA, right? Mm-hmm. he said we do not get 30 to 35k to be in madden nfl play P- player inc is responsible for all our licensing corporate partners player services we have over 43 companies commercial agreements licensing deals that go into that number madden isn't isn't even the bigger piece of the pie and he ends up by saying if you have a problem with how this is happening you mm-hmm. can reach out to your player director to learn more so there even seems to be the point here to me is this isn't blake ferguson and harrison phillips beefing not at all it's it seems yeah. to me a lot of confusion even amongst these guys. How much they're getting, how much they're not getting, where it goes, all that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, which I think is understandable too because even as uh, as Harrison Phillips points out, that it's kind of all almost like in one lump sum, almost like the PA kind of puts it all, you right. know, a bunch of different things together into one and it might be hard to figure out like how much of that is Madden in particular. Um, he... Doesn't say that it's as low as six hundred dollars, though. Right? Like he just no, says right. it's not the biggest piece of the pie. He's not saying that of the thirty to thirty five thousand, it's only six hundred. Because yeah. and I know there are more players in the college football ranks. And reading more about this yesterday at a couple of different places, I, I almost want to double down on like how and, and even if what Blake Ferguson is saying is off on how much Madden players get, there was a quote from the College Football Players Association vice president that said that he, it was disc- disc- disclosed to him that there was a ch- there were checks of about seventeen thousand that were paid out to NFL players, and one player in particular got twenty eight thousand. So maybe in Madden, it's you know it depends on who you are. Right, like if you're a bigger name, maybe you get more than someone else. I don't know how that works, but all I know is $600 per player for a game that's prob that was projected to sell about a billion dollars is less than one percent. And I, I, I cannot get to a
3: place where I feel like the players aren't getting ripped off for $600 and right. a free copy of the game. Feels to me like they're lowballing them for sure. I think the question comes into me. Okay, so if you are, um, I don't know. Jaden Daniels, right? Yep. He says, okay, I, I'm worth more than 600 to be in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, does he have the opportunity now due to NIL rules, name, image, likeness, to say, well, no, you got to pay me more to be in this game. Yep. Now, as you and Jeremy kind of debated the other day, well, they can make a facsimile of Jaden Daniels. But that's not really the same guy. And then you could also welcoming into a lawsuit, which started with the Obamas in the first place, right? With all of this,
2: and there was this. This happened one year ago, by the way. This all happened mm-hmm. one year ago, where the the EA Sports offered, um, or should I say, offered, or they were planning on an opt-in for players that would have been five hundred dollars per player. So in one year, by the way, they've upped their offer by basically one hundred dollars per player, and a year ago it all kind of got nixed because they were worried about potential litigation, which to me would be, like, if players don't opt in, or a lot of players don't opt in, then you're kind of left with, well, then I'm just going to have users creating these people, but are you even safe from, you know, the Mm -hmm. players not taking you to court over that? Because you're allowing them to do that. You know, like, it's not EA creating Jaden Daniels, but... If EA has as a part of the game, okay, you as the user can go in and create Jaden Daniels. Well, if I'm Jaden Daniels, it's, well, you're still allowing them to make me in the video game. That's that's still on you. you got to pay right. me for that. And that, I think, is why the game hasn't come out yet. And maybe I'm taking too cynical of an approach of this, because I'm excited about the video game, too. I was over always maddened over NCAA football, but... I see these trailers and these news drops and leaks about how Curb Street's going to be in the game and Chris Fowler is going to be in the game. And to me, again, maybe too cynical, what I think it is is EA Sports is trying to pressure players to take the deal because they're getting everybody excited about the video game and they're almost pinning the players in a corner where if they all get together and say, well, $600 is nothing for us, well, everyone else is excited about the video game and now they're going to villainize the players.
3: Yeah, and a lot of this ties into the story yesterday. I told you that college coaches are looking to leave to go to the NFL because there's just such a wild, wild west, right? Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, Joe, I have talked to people literally who are in the weeds of this thing of how how many how much money is being spent on some of these kids to go in the portal from one school to another. I have literally heard stories of players being offered half a million dollars by one school, but taking another deal that's worth more to go to another school in the portal, which is legal now, the way they can do it and how they've also, I've also heard stories for sure. And I know people who've been promised things at schools and didn't get them. This is the same kind of thing to me, which is there's so much misinformation out there. That's, they've opened the door to, we're not putting the We're not putting the the, the toothpaste back in the tube, right? We know that these, they're going to get paid and that's all, that's great. There's so much information out there, and people getting lied to, and they don't know what's. And I feel bad for the kids here because I say kids, right? These college mm-hmm. athletes, student athletes. I feel bad, Joe, because I don't think they have the right information, or the people presenting them in the information the correct way.
2: Right? Because there's no because it's, it's regulation. Not even, like this, this College Football Players Association I referenced uh, a minute ago. Like they, they're not a union. They, I don't think legally they can be because college football players are still. Still not. I I, I say still because I think one day they might, you know, legally be called this. They're not employees, so you can't have a union.
3: I don't think without well, them being real employees, right? That may be changing. There was a mm, there's a case at a school. Is, uh, I don't want to say. Is there one question? I'm not sure. There's somewhere where there's this this is being happening. This see, is happening now. Even that contributes. And th- to this. this is opening it up.
2: Yeah. Even that contribute. Like we're kind of in the middle, right? Right. Like we're in like gr- this is growing pains of yes. You know we're in the middle of well they're not really fully amateurs anymore but they're not professionals either we're still trying to figure all that out so I think yep. it, it's murky murky is just the right way to put it like with all of this and that's why I'm not a hundred percent believing that the game's gonna come out I think there's still so much of this legal nonsense and when if I start if you if I read a report that like okay hey ninety percent of the players have opted in then I'll believe that it's that it's actually going to come out. Until I see that, I'm still going to be skeptical that the video
3: game is actually going to hit the shelves. And just to clarify what I just said, here it is. It's Dartmouth. So Dartmouth. recently, okay. recently, Dartmouth basketball players by a court were declared employees, and they are allowed to hold union elections.
2: Okay. that's That sounds big. That's Yes. <laughs> that sounds... That sounds pretty big. There's man, there's a lot of this going on. There's um yep. not to get too into the weeds on this either, but there's a class action suit in I think New York on um the major junior hockey system, like the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League, the OHL, um basically saying that it violates US antitrust laws. because like, they get paid like five hundred dollars a month. Like it's kinda like it's just not, you know, it's below minimum wage. Um, mm-hmm. so there's there's so much of that going on with minor l- levels of sports right now. Anyways, 8030550. I said I had one other business sportsy related thing that I wanted to get to. There is a team in the NHL that there was a slight suggestion that relocation could be on the table and it's not a team I would have spent any time thinking about for that. And I'll have mm-hmm. that for you in Extendo Sports. And I wanna relate it to a thought about the Sabres. Not not to, you know, not to point think they're gonna relocate or anything, but just I want to make a comparison there. So that's coming back. We've got the extra point show coming up with Zach and Josh at ten o'clock. It's Jeremy and Joe. Jeremy is off today. He'll be back on Tuesday. Me and Sal will finish things off coming back here on WGR.
1: Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. WGR Sports Radio 550,
2: 2020 Sports.
0: Extendo Sports.
2: All right, so in Extendo Sports, you're familiar with the uh, what? Ten to fifteen year storyline of will the Coyotes stay in Arizona? (laughs) Yeah. Which is still ongoing, by the way, as they look for another arena. That might mm-hmm. be coming to an end, by the way. Like that actually like they're they're exhausting all options. Bettman's talking about it now, like you know, they might Bettman is talking like they'll move Arizona to Salt Lake City and he'll wanna someday go back to Arizona. That's to me how Batman sounds right now. But that's not the team that there are I don't even want to say relocation rumors, but there's relocation talk last night and this morning imagine cuz we we can relate to the attendance part of this. I don't think we can relate to questions about long-term sustainability. I will pre-emphasis all of this with Gary Bettman made like the best thing to that I, the, my favorite thing he's ever done as commissioner. That dude made a multi-year commitment to keep the Sabres in Buffalo when he didn't have to. Right. He could have let them go to Portland. There was an owner in quest there. There were there were they took over, you know, control of the team. He did not have to keep the team in Buffalo. He could have worked to get it out of Buffalo, but he didn't. And I will believe as long as he's commissioner, he will not let the Sabres even have a whiff of leaving. So I want to start with that. I don't think that's how he is with Winnipeg. I've got a couple of things on the Winnipeg Jets over the last 12 hours who are also dealing with attendance problems. Like, big Mm -hmm. attendance problems. Which is weird because they're good. Like, they're in a playoff spot. Chris Johnston... On Insider Trading last night, said the NHL is monitoring the situation in Winnipeg. They've seen an above 30% drop in the last three years with their ticket base. Gary Bettman will be in Winnipeg on Tuesday to meet with the team's important corporate sponsors. Then this morning, Johnston at The Athletic has more details. He's got quotes from Mark Chipman, who is the chairman of the Winnipeg Jets, who is being quoted as saying that... Like, the, the here's the title of the story. Winnipeg Jets ownership sounds the alarm on attendance. Quote, not going to work over the long haul. Chipman says, it's difficult to imagine another member of the NHL's Board of Governors rolling up their sleeves to this degree, but failure to turn the situation around could threaten the 2.0 version of the Jets' ability to remain healthy and competitive in the long term. I mean, those are those are alarm bells, are they not, if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan? Oh my gosh, yes no like, doubt about we it. We would I mean, be saying it right there. Again, like I I don't think there's ever a day we'll hear stuff like this on the sabers, but let's just play the hypothetical. If we woke up this morning and we had those two stories, we we would be would we not be in
3: panic mode? Oh yeah, for sure. 100%. And I mean, there's always a series of steps things have to happen and it's just like kind of you know, this kind of thing happened, if people remember, back in the late 90s with the sweets and Ralph Olsen Stadium, uh, Rich Stadium at the time. And then, you know, the, kind of uh, Ralph Olsen was talking like this. They signed Doug Flutie. They sell the suites. Okay, everything works out. But it's the kind of same kind of shot over the bow to the fans of, you better start doing this or mm-hmm. we're going to have to look at other alternatives. Um, yep. No doubt about that. So, yeah, I agree with that. It is, as you say, the 2.0 version which is wild because the other team we just talked about, Phoenix, the Phoenix Coyotes, used to be the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> the Jets <laughs> right. were the were the, the, the when I you know I grew up watching you know Dale Howard Chuck and the Jets before he gets traded to the Sabers and they were this you know NHL franchise, great fan support, and just a team you always kind of knew they were in the league. And then they move late '90s mm-hmm. to Phoenix. They become the Phoenix Coyotes. Now they're the Arizona Coyotes. Yep. And then the Atlanta Thrashers become a team, and then they move to Winnipeg. So the Winnipeg Jets now their franchise history is Atlanta. That's where they started. Yep. The Coyotes franchise history is Winnipeg. That's where they started.
2: Right. Man, it's just it's cr- I mean, they are they're in this story. Like there's a quote from Gary yeah. There's a quote from Gary Bettman the day they had introduced the team back to Winnipeg that said, "It isn't going to work well unless the building is sold out every night." Like wow. Bettman told Winnipeg, the day they got the team back, you guys got to sell out the building every night. They have a smaller building. The NHL yeah. is the most gate-driven league in the world, or in the, the country, I should say. Everything else is more about TV. And if you look at their average capacity, I'm going to take the Coyotes out of this because they, um, obviously, they have you know a college rink. They're dead last in the league in attendance by 2000. This is a league... Wait, 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 hold on, sorry. those are not updated. I want to get the right ones. But I know they're below Buffalo. And mm-hmm. I think it's pretty stark given that like the Sabres fans have every right to not show up. The team's on a 13-year playoff drought. Winnipeg is in second place. <laughs> like that's the thing, right? Like that's what makes it weird. I think that's what makes it terrifying in the situation in Winnipeg, because here you know what would happen if they were in second place, it would be a sellout every single night. There'd be no questions asked. Nineteen thousand. Winnipeg only holds fifteen thousand in the first place, and they're not filling it up. That's that's a
3: big problem, I think. So, all right. So, I, do they go back to Atlanta? By the way, they were in Atlanta for eleven years. They've been in Winnipeg for thirteen. Like, just make an agreement. Like every uh, ten to fifteen <laughs> years, you just switch cities.
2: Why don't they? Uh, <laughs> why do they? Why don't they swap? Why don't they uh, co-host? Right. Yeah, hey, there you go. We're going to get 20 games a year. You're going to get 20 games a year. We're going to the, go. be the Winnipeg, the atlanta Peg Jets. I don't know. <laughs> atlanta, though, it is, man, There's so many rumors about Atlanta. I would bet they're the yep. favorites. That would be wild. Imagine they just go right back to Atlanta. But I hope not. I like, the, I like the Winnipeg Jets. I want them to I exist in the league.
3: So. I do, too. So that's going on. All right. What do you got playing this weekend? Um, I am getting ready to head to the Combine on Monday, so we'll be there all week. Next week, uh, You know, Monday through Thursday, we're going to have all the coverage for you. We should probably tell everybody about that, right? Uh, hold on, let me Coverage sure. of the
2: NFL Combine on WGR. Sales heading down there. Brought to you by Awaken 180 Weight Loss, fast, sustainable weight loss, and free support for life. Awaken180weightloss.com and by Outlet Liquor.
3: When you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Yeah, so you asked what's going on this weekend, though. But in we still right. got uh, got a little travel baseball practice, got some hockey practice, uh, things like that going on. And um, right. yeah, then Monday morning, I'll be on my way to the Combine, and I'll join you guys in the morning on Monday, on my way before I leave there. And then once I get there, just so everybody knows, we are looking at, scheduled to, I believe, have Shaw McDermott. Shaw McDermott's going to talk to the local media Monday afternoon, and then Brandon Bean Tuesday afternoon, just so everybody can kind of be aware of that. All right. Stay tuned. Monday, the Combine.
2: Coaches, GMs, rumors. Next week will be fun. All right, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Zach and Josh with the Extra Point Show on the way next. Have a good weekend.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.